Welcome to Freeman on Real Estate, the podcast about the hard facts behind what's going on in real estate. Realtor Mike Freeman of Coldwell Banker, who holds an MBA in finance, draws from his financial background and deep network to bring the most value for anyone looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Freeman on Real Estate. This is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network here, as usual, with Mike Freeman, realtor extraordinaire. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, Dave, on the sticky, humid day. How are you? Yeah, it is It is that. It's not pleasant. The weather's been a mixed bag this summer, but at least it's the summer. So uh, today, we will delve into something that's been in the news and... Mike, you're going to have to educate me on this because I do have a law degree. I don't use it that often, haven't used it in years. But there's a class action suit that, as I understand it, there are a group of home sellers who are suing realtors over the amount of commission charged over the years, some period of time. And and thus, at this point in the litigation, a judge has allowed that class action suit to move forward. So at this point, it could be bad news for realtors, but... I'm kind of in the dark about this. You just told me about it before we started recording. So what do you know about it? Yeah, so it's that's a good summary of of what it's about in the situation that we're in, which is that the judges have determined that it can move forward. They haven't decided that the case has any merits, but they've right. decided that it, it should move along. It isn't something that should be, just be dismissed. So it is moving along. could be something that goes as high as the Supreme Court. We'll find out. But basically what it's about is it's a group of sellers, like you said, who are suing different real estate brokerage firms where one of them, Coldwell Banker, is part of Realogy. Realogy Realogy attorneys are involved and many other large brokerage companies across the country are involved. So what it's about is that right now the way it works is if I'm selling your home, there's going to be a total commission that you pay. Let's just say it's 5%. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put in MLS how much I'm paying a buyer's broker. Usually it's 50%. So in this case, I'd be paying out two and a half. Mm-hmm. But because we're in a seller's market, some seller's agents decided, hey, you know what? I'm in a position of strength. I'm going to keep three and pay out two. So that's that's happening. That's sort of one side of it. But whether or not the the seller's broker is paying out two or two and a half, what the lawsuit is about is that buyers eat, buyers don't really know. Mm. And that buyers brokers could be steering those buyers towards houses where the seller's agent sellers agents are paying out more. And for, the, for that broker's own self-interest. Right. In other words, just steering the, which has nothing to do with the, the, the buyer is paying 5% no matter what, but doesn't know the breakdown, right? Well, in, the seller. hypothetical. Sorry. Sorry. The seller's actually paying the 5%. Okay. It, it ends up showing up. The commission shows up on the settlement statement that you sign on the final day. The entire commission shows up on the seller's side and in, in their, okay. their side of the column, in their column. So a seller is going to know how much they're, how much I'm paying. If I have the listing, if I'm the seller's agent, they're going to know, my customer is going to know how much I'm paying a buyer's agent and whether, like in that case I just gave, where the commission is five. 
If I want to keep three and pay out two, the seller's going to know because it's very clearly disclosed in the contract I have with them. Mm-hmm. And then that's what I put into MLS, whatever is decided with the seller. But the one thing that I do understand where the lawsuit is coming from is that once it's put into MLS, and this is really like the issue the sellers have, I'm sorry, that buyers have and where um, the lawsuit is coming in, is that even though the seller, that customer knows, if you're the buyer, you really don't know. And so just going back to what I was saying, let's say... Let's see, you and I are both realtors, and we're both charging five in this example. And I'm paying out, I'm keeping three and paying out two. But you're keeping two and a half and paying out two and a half. So a buyer's broker out there might steer towards, steer his customers towards you because mm. he's getting more. Right. And so that's, that's really what the lawsuit is about, is that buyers don't know. They can ask, mm. but it doesn't show up in their column. It's not part of the disclosure to them like it is to the seller because it does come in the column. So what the lawsuit is trying to, what what their ultimate goal is that each party pays their own broker. You're the seller, you pay your seller's broker. You're the buyer, you pay your buyer's broker. And therefore it would show up in those respective columns. And it wouldn't be what it is today where it's all coming out of the seller's proceeds. Mm. Does that... Does yeah. it make, it's confusing, but yeah, it, it and you'll have to tell me what the downside. I said it might be bad news for realtors. Maybe that's not the case. It it seems like it's a call for transparency. I mean, do we know is the class action suit demanding if it does such a thing that there's transparent total transparency in the process? In which case, that would certainly help. the 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 agent for the buyer would have to say. By the way, I get a little more for this one, but I still think it's a good home or whatever. Or do they think it should be an equitable split? I mean, I guess those are two possible outcomes yeah. if there's a change made, right? Right. But really, both of those are valid. I think the first one even more because the because the buyers don't know. And so I think it more I think it is a transparency issue because that's what the lawsuit is saying is that sellers know but buyers don't know and they think that's wrong and I get that. Mm. If my buyer asks me, I'm certainly going to tell them that I'm getting more for this deal than that deal. But in this market especially you're showing them 5, 10, 20, 50 houses. You're not going to typically say for every single house, I'm getting this, I'm getting that and go through how much you're getting for every single house because it just doesn't even make sense that you would, I mean, you could, but you know, there's enough confusing numbers as it is. So typically you're not going to say to your buyer, but that's what it's about. It's about transparency because if things were to change, then the buyers would know exactly what they're paying because they'd be the ones paying it. Now, is there, is it a truly realistic concern that some realtors might steer towards place towards homes where they would get a bigger commission. Given, I'm just thinking, less better than anyone, being a realtor is it's not an easy job. It's very competitive, right? Right. So, wouldn't you? Aren't you going to be happy if you make any sale? Is it, is it necessarily a, a point where you're going to make the analysis in your head like uh, I'm going to get ten grand more if I go here, but? Still, you're going to make a nice commission if you get the lower one, 
But it's in practice, I guess, is, is this a genuine concern? I mean, a genuine phenomenon now, do you think? I think there is a fairly significant group of realtors who are going to steer people towards mm. houses that have a higher shared commission, it's called, mm. or broker's, broker's compensation. Yeah, there's a group of people, a group of realtors that I think really are unethical because not only are you not sharing it, you're steering people towards one or the other. I'm like what you just described. I don't care. You're yep. getting a pretty good commission. I want my buyers to be happy because if your buyers are happy, then they're going to be more likely to recommend you. Sure. So I'll look out of curiosity more than anything. But at the end, if I'm showing somebody five or ten houses, I don't remember which ones are two or two and a half right. or whatever. So some they may. And yeah, for, for some... The, are they under any duty or or obligation? I don't think there is, right? Like some sort of ethical rule that says you have to show customers. Up. In other words, I've got I'm, my buyer is looking at the two different homes. They're both pretty similar in terms of features and location and pretty much everything. And they're both on sale for the listing price is two million. And but one of them, I know I'm going to get a bigger commission is there anything to prevent me from not even telling him that other one exists you know no. what i'm saying it's no. not right okay so there isn't but in this stage where everything's on the internet yeah right. they're gonna know gonna um know. Yeah. so and this is what the lawsuit's about there's yep. no obligation for you to tell them about certain houses and not others to tell them what the what the commission is that you're going to get right there's no obligation and when you, as a seller's agent, put it in MLS, and, and the lawsuit has issues with the various MLSs all across the country, when I put in how much I'm, I'm sharing with a buyer's broker from a seller's broker, then it's in MLS, but the customer can't see it. I can see it. The realtors can see it. The buyers can't. That's where I understand, and that's where there's some merit to it, that the buyer doesn't even see it. Mm, mm. I mean, what would be the argument for the realtor who wants the status quo to remain? I mean, they're not going to say with a straight face, well, I just want to make more money. I mean, it, it is, I guess they have an interest in, it, you know, what, what, do you, what do you think they would give for an argument for keeping that information under wraps? So some people give the argument that this is the way we've done it. It's working. <laughs> I mean, I don't subscribe right. to that. But yep. like like anything, you can, you're going to hear that. Other people subscribe to the theory that it doesn't matter because the seller and the buyer are going to agree to a certain price based on whether the commission comes from just the seller or it's split between the two or even if hypothetically this will never happen, the commission came 100% from the buyer. No matter how you slice it, you have one number that a buyer's willing to pay and you have one number that a seller's willing to accept. So yeah, the amount the amount you know, of money that changes hands between buyer and seller is 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 not a, in question here. It, right. right. So, so you you could argue you could almost argue it's none of your business. This is an industry thing. Yeah. But, I mean I won't go that far, but but I know exactly what you're saying. That I'm trying to put myself in the shoes cuz I because it seems to me this type of thing should be transparent. In some of these cases, we're talk- we are talking about a lot of money, and so we are. And so, for a realtor 
to like you say if you're asked you give the information but you know the for the it, like a lot of rules they're trying to anticipate the unethical people because there will be unethical people it's why we yes. have laws right yes um we, we can't just have a law a blanket law that says everyone would be nice to each other and and act with the best <laughs> the best intentions so you think of that unscrupulous broker the broker could either refuse to tell the client or could lie could lie straight right. out lie because they're right. not going to see it on on in black and white right they will not see it until the closing okay and but then it's probably too late to change by then it's too late <laughs> yeah. yeah so the so the, the we didn't even say this but this is actually like the brunt of it sellers feel like they overpaid mm. because they feel like they should have paid say in a case where it's again there's no standard because that would be price fixing but let's just say i had a listing and i was charging five and i was paying out two and a half the sellers in that example are saying we only should have paid two and a half to the broker that we hired we hired you mike freeman we're going to pay you two and a half if the buyers on the other side if the buyer's agent on the other side wants compensation why is it coming to us he should go to his customer and say I want two and a half and let them deal with it. Let them negotiate. So mm. sellers feel like they overpaid significantly mm. because of that. I mean, they didn't because you really have a finite amount of money. And regardless of how it changes hands, you could take the same transaction that say a million dollars and the um, full 5%, 50,000 comes out of the seller side. Well, if you changed it so that it was 25 and 25, 25,000, 25,000, then the price wouldn't be a million anymore. Mm. Mm. You know, so it adjusts. And that's why I think people argue that the system works because the the price will adjust because people are going to be comfortable paying a certain amount and accepting a certain amount. So I think to, to answer your question, that's why people are saying that the system isn't broken and that it shouldn't change. Do you have an opinion as to whether, as to what the best result of this would be? So on the one hand, I do see uh, that transparency makes the most sense and that we don't have that now. I do see that. Mm. But on the other hand, here's the, biggest, here's the biggest thing about the current system. And I don't know if this is why it started this way or not. But typically, not always, buyers are young. They're buying their first house for some home buyers and they won't be able to afford the two and a half percent if that was the case on top of the purchase price it's harder in many cases for a buyer to buy a home than it is for seller to sell a home so i think that might be where it started from i don't know 100 years ago right it's a little before i was in the business right. <laughs> not much more but i think that's where it started from that somebody came, somebody said you know what the seller can afford it the buyer can't Let's just make it part of the seller's, let's put it in the seller's column. Like, it sounds kind of simplistic, but I think there's something to that. And I think that buyers might end up, I said I said a few minutes ago that there's one finite amount of money, but I think in the short term, would buyers end up paying more because now half of the commission would be in their column? Yeah, probably, especially because we're in a seller's market. Mm. If we're in a neutral market, then I don't know how that would play out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it it's maybe a, a topic for an entire another episode, but yeah, why why doesn't why don't buyers pay a fee? They've got realtors 
working very hard for them. I remember when I was running Lawyers Weekly, we we moved offices, and so I got introduced with someone. I still remember, and this guy, guy's name was Larry Garner. At, at one point, it was the Staubach Group, the real estate firm owned by Roger Staubach. But, and so he came to me, and I, we had a nice meeting. And then, I, of course, I'm not used to this. I was like, after the whole conversation, I was like, so do I pay you or do I, like, how's it work? And he said, I'll, he goes, that's okay. I'll tell you how it works. And the short answer was the same. It is in residential real estate, which is the, it's not your side that pays. And yet this guy worked very hard to find us the best place. And I was appreciative. It's almost like I felt like I should have tipped him or something, right, right? Right. but he was getting paid by, by the land, my future landlord. Right. right. So, but it, it's, it's, it is weird, a little bit of an odd dynamic, right? It is. Yeah. And, what the people who feel like this lawsuit is is without merit, and I kind of rode the fence. I understand that where I said I see this side and I see that side, yep. but I'm not really riding the fence because I'm doing this podcast. I really do <laughs> see both sides. But but the people who argue argue really strongly that it doesn't matter, and that pe- people say, well, the buyer's still paying for it. It comes out of the deal, and that's what I was trying to say a few minutes ago that you're going to agree on a certain price. And it doesn't really matter what column it, it comes in. And so a lot of people, my manager, for instance, and, and a lot of people who own um, real estate companies feel like it, it, the commission comes out of the deal. Yeah, It comes out of the proceeds. Now, it happens to be in the seller's column on the settlement statement. But, but here's where agents get themselves in trouble. And this is part of the lawsuit. Because if you're a buyer's agent, sometimes you tell the buyer that, Oh, it's free. Use, right. use, you can use me. It's free. Well, first of all, like that isn't something you should say. That's, yeah. a, that's a big no-no. But it's not free because it comes out of the deal. It's part of what you're paying. The seller is saying, okay, I'm getting a million dollars, but I got to pay out 50. So I'm really only getting 950. So seller has to be comfortable that they're only getting 950 mm. in that case. So... Like I understand that, but it's not it's not free. Right. There is no free lunch, Mike, as we no. know. And and just you know, one one last thought on the lawsuit is mm. that I do as a buyer's agent get annoyed when I see that one house is two and one is two and a half well, I get annoyed when I see the seller's agent is keeping more mm. and they're not paying it used to be it was always fifty fifty. And like I was saying before, in the last few years, the seller's agents are keeping more because it's a seller's market, and eventually it's going to turn around. So I was once at a closing table, and it was the first time I saw it. And the I represented the buyer, and the seller's agent I saw on the – you don't see it till the, the, till the settlement statement at the closing. And this was before COVID, so closings were in person, and everybody was there. And I'm looking, and I see that the commission payable to them and the commission payable to me were very different and that theirs was much higher. So I check out my phone, my calculator, I'm doing the math, and I see, like, they're keeping three and paying two. So I turn to the other agent, and I'm like, what's going on here? And I'm like, yeah, that's what we're doing. And so I turn to her, and the buyer, the seller, they're at the table, the attorneys, I said something I probably shouldn't have in retrospect, but I said, you got to be kidding me with a few adjectives added there. 
and we had like a little argument. And then I said, I worked just as hard as you on this transaction. Right. And my buyer later said, well, what was, what was that discussion between you and the other agent? So you do kind of feel like you're getting ripped off if you represent a buyer and you're not getting 50% of the deal. Right. It seems to be also some sort of inequality in the fact that the that it's up to the the seller as to how much they give the commission to, I yeah. mean, up to the seller's agent right and, well the seller too and the seller okay yeah. because and, and that's a good point so in in our contracts there's a paragraph that says how much we're paying buyers agents and anybody should read an entire contract but it's like high, highlighted pretty clearly are we paying two and a half? Are we paying two? Right. So I've had sellers look at that, and I and I there sometimes I've gone in and I've I've had two there, and they've said no, this needs to be two and a half, mm. and so it's like okay, it's two and a half. You're the boss. You're the customer. So yeah, they have to carefully read it, but it's disclosed, and it's something that we should be talking about. So the sellers, in a lot of ways, are determining it. Mm. Like mm. we we do, but ultimately. It's the sellers who determine it. Right. And it's like, why do they hold the cards? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, interesting stuff for sure. And we will keep tabs on this lawsuit. They tend to move slowly. and But in the months to come, we'll have to update people yeah. on how yeah. the case goes. Absolutely. But now before we go, we'd like to play the game that I enjoy. And listeners, I know you do too, where we learn more about Mike in the following segment. More about Mike. More about Mike. More about Mike. So we've got, we took out our book of philosophy and came up with this interesting philosophical question, Mike, and it reads as follows. Would you rather be able to meet your great-great-grandmother or father or your future granddaughter or grandson? So I guess this presumes that most of us never met our, our great-great-grandmother or father. I certainly didn't because they're long gone. Yeah. So, and I guess it imagines... I guess it imagines that we've got a time machine here. So right, anyway, right. so what what do you think? Yeah, you, either way, if it, it was kind of like Back to the Future, you can go back, yeah. you can go forward. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, okay, so for me, I, I like history, and I always imagine what things were like, and if I could go back in time to a certain time, what would it be like? And so I would absolutely want to talk to my great-great-grandmother or grandfather because I think that there's there's so much that you have no idea how you were shaped, how much you might have been shaped as a person based on certain values that they might have had or the way they were, maybe their personality. And the world has changed so much. Like, granted, probably going to change a lot in the next 100 years, but we don't know yeah. uh, what's going to change what won't. I, I would be more interested in going back in time and meeting family members from 100, 150 years ago and, and do you, do you, would those ancestors ancestors of yours, would they be in America or would they be someplace else? So it depends what side of the family right. we're talking about. Like <laughs> one of my grandfathers moved from Ukraine to this country uh, 105 years ago when he was like three. Mm. So that part of the family depends how far back you go. Yeah. If yeah. you go before 1918, then they're, they're in Ukraine. So right. for the most part... If you're saying great, great, then, yeah, I think all of them would be in another country. It, Poland, Ukraine, Scotland, actually. My grandmother wow. was from Scotland. Yeah. So that would be part of what would make it so interesting is to see what it was like in these other countries. Yeah. 
I agree with you. you, you we, I mean, it, it'd be nice to go into the future and talk to our future relatives, but we have no conception of that. And yet we have, we have a view of history that we learn as we grow up. And I'm, I'm particularly thinking about the life in during World War II and what that was like. Yeah. You, and, you and I both happen to be Jewish. I had my grandparents were in, it's now part of Belarus, a town called Grudna. They fled, they fled, I like to tell people they fled in 1938, but to escape Hitler. But my dad said, no, they, they moved to Canada because they were starting a shoe business. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, it was pretty convenient then that they moved at that point because everyone they knew in the in that city was exterminated pretty much that wiped out the entire Jewish population of that city and just interesting times. Yeah. I'm, I'm with yeah. you. I would like, to, I'd like to learn. And because you can only learn so much from textbooks, you don't, we don't really right. know what it was like. So, yeah. Yeah. Think about back to the future. I always find it more interesting when they went back to 1885 yeah. and he was able to meet with the first McFly who yes. came over to the country. Yeah. Now, when he met his kid, his kid was like, screw up. Yep. And uh, it, was, it was interesting. But to me, it was nowhere near as interesting as when he met the first McFly who came over to America from Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you. Back to the Future 3 was better than Back to the Future 2. <laughs> yeah, it was. So, I mean, the, the, the now, if it were just to see sort of what's going on in the world... That's interesting. Like, I, I wouldn't mind spending a day in the year 3000 and just yeah. seeing what, what, what the innovations are. But as far as family, I'm with you. I like the history stuff. So, yep. Mike, before we go, can you remind people the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, best way to, to contact me is by cell 617-759-1513. I also have email mike.freeman at anymoves.com. And I also am on Facebook. Freeman on Real Estate is um, my Facebook page. And you really got more than you bargained for, Dave. I also (laughs) have a website, MikeFreemanHomes.com. Very good. We remind you to follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. And thank you for listening to Freeman on Real Estate.